Hi, you're listening to Andrew Farris on NXS Access All Areas with Hayden and B. Check it out. Hello, welcome to Nixess Axe All Areas. I'm doing a bee imitation <laughs> to kick things up. <laughs> this is the podcast bee where we dive deep into all things in excess, get them in the Hall of Fame, celebrate, enjoy, reflect, compare, contrast. Um, I just felt like saying a hello, Did a you? bee hello. How are you a anyway? Bee hello, hello, and welcome. <laughs> yeah. Now you've been a bit under under par this week, but you don't sound too under the par or under okay. the weather. No, I'm feeling a lot better. 24 hours ago, I was not. Saw the bathroom floor a lot. Yeah. <laughs> we won't go into it more. We won't that. give specifics, no, okay? But um, don't want to go back there. What we can disclose is that both B and I, for the first time, are ever wearing our In Excess Access All Areas caps tonight, courtesy of the lovely Foxy uh, from Arizona via California via and via the printing up and production and the sending through to us. What well on, Foxy? Look like that, Hayden, and then I'll do a quick green shot. Okay. There you go, everybody. This is great for the <laughs> listeners. Uh, really good radio gag. Um, but yes, we were wearing our, our sort of patron type hats and uh, we thought we'd get into the spirit of things. We're recording on a Saturday night. We don't normally share the time zones when we are recording, but uh, it is a week of sort of reflection and outpouring of grief and, and I guess respect and care and love for, for, for Chris Murphy, who it's un- our understanding that uh, his funeral will be tomorrow, Australian time on a Sunday, uh, just before the podcast is probably goes out, um, albeit a day or so. We, yeah, it's been an interesting week, B, hasn't it? Just with the, the amount of articles written about Chris and things. Yeah, it's been a complete mix of emotions, isn't it? With also having it as Michael's birthday as well yesterday. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, um, yeah, it's been, um, yeah, we will read some out of um, things of Michael's later, won't we? Some lovely tributes, but it's just still sad because he's not had his funeral yet so mm. it just doesn't seem right in a way mm. to, to celebrate on oh, well look you know as i said it's that it's, it's that sort of time of year where so it's michael's birthday unfortunately we've had chris pass away and uh, um i guess uh you know chris ironically would uh, you would probably want the show to go on you know not just our show yeah, but the band true. and everything there yeah, and as right. i said he's such a sort of a, a zest uh, was a zest of life you could sort of imagine him sort of wanting everybody to to get on with it and being full forward and full ahead so you know we're going to dedicate this podcast uh, to michael and, and to chris um and dig deep in some of the stuff with michael in our topic which uh, we're very excited about today but i loved I- that article you sent me today Aiden. who was that by uh, I think it was in one of the uh, Fairfax publications, but I reason I send it to you, I mean, you get a lot of articles that come about and I think I just send it to you just to post up in the, you know, on our Facebook page or in the podcast, uh, sorry, in the um, super fans area or whatever, just for people to read because 
it just seemed to be one of the better articles I read during the week that just, you know, gave accuracy to his career and, and yeah. uh, some great quotes and some great insights, which yeah. I guess we try to do with the podcast is provide a little bit more background information about In Excess and a little bit more uh, historical content and, and why this song and this band happened. And I guess this article to me was just something that was fresh for me. I'm like, oh, I know that, I know that. And um, yeah, I'm glad you enjoyed it and hope the uh, community get a chance to read it and enjoy yeah. it as well. I'll post it straight away. What, is, what connected with you? It, it was somebody that had just stood back and looked at the full picture instead of just looking at what everybody else was saying. Because yep. you know some of these articles, it's just samey, samey, samey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This, this, this person, I think her name was Kate. I wish I'd written it down. And she's just taken the whole picture of, like, what other band managers were out there. And, mm. you know, he was a bit of a standout that really, you know, we don't have those sort of managers anymore. No. Really knew what he was doing. Yeah. Bringing his sporting background to it and, you know, really taking them on board and making them work hard. Yeah. And and just really didn't have a big sample size of evidence to know that it would be something. I think he saw two songs and said, yep, I'll have them. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll take, I'll take them far. (laughs) So. Nowadays, there's talent shows and there's, uh, you know, you know, such a clinical nature to signing talent. I mean, uh, sometimes it's indefinables. Uh, think of someone like Bob Dylan, you know, he's probably the greatest lyricist of all time. Uh, coincidentally, we talk about lyrics today, but uh, vocally, you would probably say he's one of the worst vocalists of all time. So do you reckon Bob Dylan would get signed up if he went on American Idol these days? Not with one song. <laughs> no, that's all right. Well, yeah, I think Chris Murphy seemed to see something that uh, he could extrapolate, and boy, did he extrapolate. Uh, the career of NXS. So uh, again, we will uh, move on. Uh, there's lots to talk about today, but this is always, I guess, a question I like to ask you. How has your NXS week been overall? Has there been anything standout-ish to share with the listeners? Hmm, nothing really standout in only as, as much as what everybody else is going through, you know, the the, the shock of hmm. Chris and um, still, and um, just trying to get into the mood of celebrating the birthday i usually go down um to michael's um memorial Mm. that felt a bit weird not doing that because of covid and Mm. but you probably saw on some of the communities uh there were a lot of people posted videos of going there and placing Uh, flowers and things and that's always nice thank you karen peters she put something out there for um hutch nation what a beautiful girl she is yeah absolutely yeah and speaking, I guess, uh, of people who are real fans and real loyalists, we have a group of patrons we like to welcome every week. And I guess I'll just start off by welcoming our honorary patron, uh, Nick Egan, of course. No, you can't carry on yet. You've got, you also says that um, uh, Mark uh, Opitz is an honorary men- member now no, as well. No, I said he could be. It's up to him oh, to... Oh, he could be. He could oh, be. Mark, you're on the edge. You're on your edge. <laughs> well, I was thinking today when with Mark, he he's such uh from my limited understanding of chatting um but also reading about him and knowing of him over the the journey he still seems to be as passionate about music today as he was back then and i was just thinking we need to examine shabu shabar we need to examine you know life baby life and Wembley. we need to dig deep into welcome to wherever you are we need to dig deep into full moon dirty hearts we you know uh australian made i mean i i think I think he will have to become an honorary member by doing five episodes with us. So there's the challenge, Mark. (laughs) (laughs) Having said that, I think, you know, Mark is very proud of his contributions and would like a forum to discuss them. And I don't know these days whether, uh, you know, there would be platforms out there that would want to spend 
you know, an hour and a half on the sitar that exists in the song Questions of Welcome to Wherever You Are. Now, a nerd like me would love to talk for an hour and a half about that sitar, okay? <laughs> now, sitar, B, is an Indian instrument, in case you thought I, in case you thought I was a bit drunk George and rhyming Harrison with guitar. it to me. Huh? George Harrison, he used to play it, didn't he? He did too. I'm very impressed. Very, very, are you? <laughs> last number 37 he's already impressed <laughs> correct correct well isn't it funny episode 37 and, and michael's unfortunate passing at 37 and coincidentally it's you know spooky numbers how this worked out this was not by design but uh, it is episode 37 although b i think you put out 36 today is that right no i changed it Nobody knows. <laughs> <laughs> you had a go you at me today she said to me yeah, to go with you. Oh, thanks, thanks for the friendly uh, nudge or reminder about the episode. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, to go at me. <laughs> you annoying me. No. Okay. I'd like to say hello to everybody outside on the highway. Let's all say hello to everybody outside. It's about 10,000 people at least. Hello. Hello to Pedro, Lisa, Foxy, Felicia, Sarah, Laurie, Carmen, Sudi, Dean. Joe Robbins, Mandy, Linda, Danielle, Dr. Jim, Amanda, Leon, Anne-Marie, Lisa Calloway, Lisa McIntosh, Katie, Carrie-Anne, Virginia, Bern, Caroline, Jolie, Joseph, Susan, David, Sandrine, Tracy and Paul Boozy. All right, we would like to also thank the... uh I guess our super fan patrons and contributors who actually in an impromptu way came onto the podcast last, last week for the sort of the Chris Murphy tribute. And uh, I guess, as I said, it was like about an hour's notice we, we put out there and uh, we had Laurie sort of jump onto that particular podcast. We had Danielle, uh, we had Dr. Jim, I think we had Leon via England, via Canada, uh, you and myself, um, uh, and I know there's more. Uh, and I think we there said some vo- vocal uh, or verbal contributions coming from Carmen and a few others there that we put, put into the podcast as well. If I've forgotten a name who jumped on, I apologise. But uh, look, it was great just for those to come in and give, I guess, a sort of a palette and, and context to sort of, you know, what occurred because we literally had finished our our, our uh, original episode B that uh, we're very proud of. It was the Andrew Farris deep dive. And we're going to put that out next week um, with a few tweaks and things. But uh yeah, when that news came through, we suddenly had to sort of go and record another one, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was literally 20 minutes and then yeah. I got a message from Ali Law. So thank you, Ali, for letting me know so yeah. quickly. All right. And today, as I said, it's going to be a bit of a deep dive into Michael, uh, which we'll go through a little bit later. So it's not going to be about the hips and the lips and the hair and the look and the suave. It's going to be a, uh, a Michael sexual-free zone, okay? Sorry, ladies. Sorry, some we'll try. Uh, but we're going to actually examine Poetry in Motion, which uh, I know B was very excited by that title, the episode, because he was a poet and he, boy, he had motion. So, but we want to da- uh, dive deep a little bit into the lyrics he, he put out there and also just the sort of the vocals and the phrasing, the development of his voice over time. Something that uh, we've got a little bit of prep gone into this episode more than, more than ever. Okay. We do a lot of prep, but extra prep today. So we're very happy to sort of give acknowledgement to Michael and, and his contribution to the band because he, he didn't play an instrument, B, but boy, was he his, his voice an instrument of, uh, of greatness. All right, what's it time for? And now it's time for the news. Hi, it's Carmen here from Wollongong, Australia. 
You're listening to the world's first in excess podcast, in excess access all areas, and now it's time for the news. All right, well, the magic of timing and episodes and the Chris tribute last week, B, uh, we actually have about four chart changes uh, just by virtue of the way our the dates we've recorded and the dates we've released and things. But um, the, the greatest hits, the very best, uh, has, as I said the other week, moved into number 30. But uh, we have had a couple of uh, chart changes in the last couple of weeks, which we uh, are going to sort of acknowledge. And it went from 30 to 32. And then it ballooned out to 43B. But today, as of, uh, I guess, today, uh, it is officially back into the top 40 at number 39. So it's hovering. Imagine if it got to uh, eight times platinum and that would be diamond plus a platinum, wouldn't it? That'd be pretty cool. A DP. A, a diamond and a platinum, a DP. That'd yeah. be really good, wouldn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, we need to keep this up, don't we? And 100%. I'm sure there's new, new, new listeners wanting to hear the song. So... Go get the very best of. All right. And also news that's come out this week. Uh, I know in Australia this week, I think on the ABC, we have a, a very famous holiday for us. It's called Australia Day on January 26th. And uh, the ABC are going to be broadcasting the whole uh, Australian-made concert, uh, which has been, uh, I won't say it's been restored, but it's going to be com- uh, going to be played out on ABC TV on what is, I think, the Tuesday night this week. Uh, in Australia, and uh, we talked about obviously the uh, Australian-made concert being a seminal sort of pre-kick on the cusp of greatness tour that Inexcess put together. And I know Mark himself, Mark Opitz, you know, had a big role in that with uh, helping produce sort of the Good Times song and uh, just the whole sort of uh, period around that time. So uh, if you've never seen it or if you haven't sort of seen it for a long time, do yourself a favour. I, I in, in preparation for that episode, went back and watched it and uh, it was great. It was a, a real unique time and place. It was just... Again, you're seeing the band just on the edge of superstardom, uh, really cutting their teeth around Australia, supporting a lot of local bands and things like that, which uh, which was which was awesome. Not really, only that I've got the video, so I might go and watch it as well. Now. Video or DVD? Oh, sorry, DVD. <laughs> That's all right. You might Come have on. a vi- you might, <laughs> might have a video on it. We probably uh, you know, we can go down to Blockbuster. Got video of it. Where as well. All right. Now we spoke a bit about that article that uh, I think uh, did we post that up on the Facebook site yet, B? Yes, it, it is. Yes, yeah. So look, do so favour and go and watch that. Also, too, in terms of touring dates, uh, you will hear next week a, a real rundown of of uh, in excess tribute bands, both local and overseas, and some throughout obviously Australia that are uh, keeping the the brand and band alive in terms of their tribute concerts and things. So we've actually uh, done a an audio of all the events and places where uh, you can go see your favourite in excess cover band. Uh, and there's probably three or four countries we're going to mention as well. Uh, additionally to in Australia, where between Perth and Sydney and Melbourne and Queensland, there's a lot of uh, in excess tribute band stuff going on. Having said that, also too, John Stevens, who obviously fronted in excess for a period and obviously noise works for a long time, is actually going to be touring as early as sort of, you know, February, March, April, May in New Zealand, Australia, playing the in excess collection as well as noise works hits. And as we know, Andrew Farris is touring and you're going to that concert at Lazotte's in Newcastle, which is uh, not far away, is it, B? It's actually late February, is it right? April. Oh, April, is it? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Did it get put back or was it always April? It's always been April. Okay. April yeah. the 16th, I believe. But he's well, also playing as we speak, I think. Well, you're right. Uh, I think I saw some footage there. He's up in sort of Tamworth there, isn't he? He was doing some sound checks and things. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. yeah. Sitting on the stage there with his chair and his jeans and three or four other people with their guitars. And he looked in a right element, didn't he? 
Yeah. And speaking of touring, it's actually 30 years this month that In Excess toured uh, and played one of the most uh, standout shows in Brazil, which uh, I guess uh, is very famous for that footage in the uh, miniseries where uh, Michaels has, has a cake brought out on stage by a very skin, uh, uh, skin, uh, well, skimpily dressed lady. And Michael looks uh, not, not he didn't blush an eyelid, did he? Uh, he was uh, very, very uh, enthused. But uh, that concert was to 140,000 people. And wow. for the uh, Live Baby Live album, you always hear, hey, Rio, hey, Rio. You know, so that's, uh, I guess, one of the most uh, standout concerts. And they still have a massive pull in Brazil. Like we get a lot of interaction from uh, a lot of the Brazilian sort of Vinixess fans, don't we, B? I know. They want us to translate the show. How are we going to do that? Yeah, well. Uh, anyway, Pedro. I said, hey, Pedro, can you do it? <laughs> port- any Portuguese? Maybe Pedro. That could be a great task for Pedro. Great task for Pedro. I'm yeah. sure he's got something better to do than, like, you know, <laughs> do a woman's voice and a man's voice. <laughs> yeah, he could, he could do voice inflections. Also this week, and look, we're we, we probably in light of uh, the goings uh, on in the last week or two, we're, we're not going to probably do our Media War segment in the month of January. We'll, we will keep a, a lid on that. Tonally not the right time to be sort of uh, right. doing that. But uh, I can say that John Farris this week did a, an audio interview, and I think it was with one of the local either radio stations up there, et cetera, one of the newspaper there. There's a seven or eight-minute audio of him just talking a little bit about uh, Chris and just the circumstances and things and uh, if you do uh, Google that, I'm sure you'll be able to find it. So uh, John's, uh, you know, said the quiet one, doesn't do a lot of press, but when he does speak, he always speaks, uh, makes sense. Quite a bit of news, B, there, just to tie things up uh, in the NXS world for the week. Fantastic. Well done. Hey, this is Tim Farris, and you're listening to Access All Areas with Hayden and B. <laughs> And now for Topic of the Week.
Well, B, credit to you with that editing you've just done there. Um, pretty interesting comparison there between Michael in about 1981 as a sort of a 21-year-old and then in 1987 as a 27-year-old with the same song, uh, recorded, uh, I guess, uh, lyrically and verse-wise the same way. But, boy, what a change in his vocals. Big change, big change. It's good, good that you got me to edit those two together. Yeah, well, look, what we're doing today is talking about two aspects, I guess, of Michael. Um, there's lots of aspects we can talk about. And as I said, this is a hips, lips, free zone today, B. It is real sort of dive deep facts. And uh, we want our listeners to go away today and have a diff- different listening experience and take into account Michael's phrasing, Michael's vocal delivery, Michael's lyrics. A bit like when we spoke about listening to sort of Kirk, you know, whether it was the saxophone or, or you know, the uh, lead guitar or whether it was listening to John, the percussion side of things or the keyboards, you know, with Andrew or the bass, you know, with uh, Gary. Um, what we'd like you to do is really just concentrate on lyrics this week, concentrate on the, the vocal phrasing because I think Michael, uh, amongst many of his peers, at particularly... His peers were so, so endorsing of his vocal ability. Uh, Michael, you know, uh, I guess vocally-wise, was a baritone. You know, he had, uh, you know, sort of more of a deeper voice and didn't have that sort of Prince falsetto thing going. But over his career and journey, and we just heard it with those, that same song comparison, his voice evolved, and, and so it should. You know, you think of the Beatles in the early days and just the voices evolving. You know, when you're 18, 19, or 20, your voice sounds, you know, a bit thinner, doesn't it? Um, so, so today, you know, as well, they change. And and for Michael, I think he realized, you know, not playing the guitar, albeit at Wembley, uh, at the end, uh, his voice was his instrument. And I think, you know, as, as his journey within excess grew, and especially after the Max Q experience, you know, he took more risks. He, he, he used more, you know, tone and inflection and, and variety and, uh, and, and lyrically, you know, he became, I think, more courageous as, he went, we're not talking so much about elegantly wasted today, but I think it was probably the most lyrically honest that he's ever been on an album. And, you know, that's a journey going from a boy to a man. And I think his lyrics sort of reflected that as, as he sort of, uh, as he grew, B. Mm, that's my favourite album of all. Yeah. yeah, the vocals are magnificent, aren't they? And elegantly wasted, really good. <laughs> well, um, what, there's a few little rules today that we sort of want to get out there. When we talk about some of these songs today, we're, we're really identifying lyrics and phrase, and we're not talking about our favourite songs, but these are songs we really like, but there's songs that we think that probably Michael's phrasing and the way he delivers the vocal uh, and also the type of lyrics um, are up there with the best. So I know some of the songs we're mentioning today are very popular with us and we love a lot of them, but we're not sort of necessarily saying these are our favourite songs. There could be a couple there that could be, but we really wanted to just go back and just highlight and celebrate some examples. Um, It's often sort of uh, mentioned that someone like Frank Sinatra, you know, who, who probably wasn't a songwriter, but he was an interpreter of songs had some of the best, you know, vocal phrasing and, uh, and, and vocal delivery, you know, known to man in the history of music and, Think, think about a song, uh, you know, New York, New York. Um, the the elevation of that song and that climb in that song and the crescendo, crescendo there uh, is is really a vocal tour de force from Frank. And I think there's some examples of that with Michael where, you know, he's taken sometimes a song and it started off sort of quiet and soft and it's gradually climbed and he's really delivered on that sort of vocal. Equally, you know, for great sort of, you know, vocalists out there, you know, they can modulate their voice particularly well. They can go from soft to loud, high to low. They can alter it to a funk song or a ballad, et cetera, there. I know both of us, B, we love In Excess because of the variety of music. And I think Michael's voice 
uh, in many cases, has a big variety to it, yeah? Massive. That's why we love them. I think a song like To Look At You, uh, when you look at that particular song and that sort of real new romantic type era, is, you know, you compare that to sort of a, a beautiful girl and, you know, it could be two different people. Um, so much so that I have a lot of friends go, oh, I didn't know that was an excess song. Oh, I didn't know that was an excess song. For me, I can pick it because we played the song so many times. But I do get surprised how many people come up to me and go, oh, I didn't know To Look At You was an excess song. It doesn't sound like Michael. Or Beautiful Girl sounds like Lou Reed. I guess it's credit again to Michael's ability to sort of escalate his voice at different tones and levels, elevated at different tones and levels. You know, in stadium rock, you sometimes have to sing to the guy in the back row. And it's interesting that sometimes can be uh, motivating for a lead singer live. And then sometimes it can be a bit deflating because you can't always have nuance and subtlety in your voice when you're trying to sing, you know, 500 metres back, you know, into a concert venue. And uh, I guess, you know, for Michael, it was one of the reasons they went back and did some clubs and unis and some smaller tours there because they wanted to sort of, I guess, you know, feel each other and smell each other and talk to each other on stage, so to speak, um, which is what... You know, when you're a tight, small, smaller venue band, you, you probably can play tighter uh, in some respects, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. So um, I guess for the topic today, as I said, you know, it's going to be a little bit about the lyrics, but also about the vocal delivery and the phrasing. So uh, looking forward to uh, raveling through examples just to highlight what we're getting at. deep on the lyrics and the vocal phrasing of Michael now. Um, and I guess just before the, the show, we were talking a little bit about um, Michael and his upbringing and his cosmopolitan sort of lifestyle and uh, being a citizen of the world. And I guess all of that shapes your lyrics and sometimes even your accent, doesn't it? Accent, yes, because yeah. a lot of people thought he was a pom, didn't they? Like mm. me. Well, I remember as a kid saying uh, to my mother, I said, oh, Malcolm Fraser, our prime minister, is he from England? My mum said to me, no, Hayden, he's just very well-spoken. Just on a personal kind of level, like who do you feel like responsible to? Is it like, you know, yourself and your friends or your partner or the whole band or the record company or, you know, the whole of your audience? Or... All those people and more, you know. Mm. You really do start to get an overwhelming feeling of responsibility after a while. Of now we do. But uh, there's certain types of responsibility. Some are cold, some are a cold, hard, factual one, and some are emotional. Um, to the audience and to friends and all these pe- these people that work with us on a creative basis, it's 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 fairly emotional. It's fairly give and take. There is there's a respect going on. 
Yeah, so uh, I think Michael uh, had a very, you know, cosmopolitan accent. He was always very well spoken, um, and it's probably shaped by, you know, you know, growing up in Sydney and then moving to Hong Kong and then coming back to Sydney, then going to LA for a year, back to Sydney and then to Hong Kong and then to living in London. And I guess he had sort of a worldly sort of accent, and I guess it's in sync with the band. It was sort of an international band, not just a sort of a, a uh, you know, uh, Aussie sort of type band that uh, Chris never wanted to portray exclusively. He wanted to have them be an international sounding band as well as an international looking band. Yes, that's right. But going to an international school would have been good grounding for all of that, wouldn't it, really? I remember going uh, or reading some of the early publications by Patricia and uh, Tina uh, and was talking about Michael being in uh, LA and meeting Natasha Kinski at parties when he was 15 or 16. And well, as I said, that accent uh, would have been, would have probably thrown the Yanks a little bit, wouldn't it? Uh, both mm. then and later on. Yes, Paula teased him about that, didn't she, on the bed, do you remember? Correct, correct. I'd like to talk to her and see if she remembers it. Um, I'm sure she does. <laughs> I was 12 for God's sake. I know, so a 12 year old Michael Hutchins, there's uh, nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with 13 How old was she? Kinski, <laughs> she was 13, you were 12. Hmm. One of the things that uh, I guess when we go through this particular topic is that people can listen to In Excess and just take it on face value. But one of the things we try and do is, as I said, isolate you know, each member's contribution. So, you know, part of today is breaking down, you know, probably not from a musical point of view because I absolutely have no musical prowess whatsoever, but I reckon my ears pick up things from loving this band and I pick up in little subtleties, especially when it comes to Michael's sort of vocal technique and uh, I guess the the way he phrases words and the way he elevates a song. So I thought what we would do to make this sort of uh, digestible for, for the listeners is put it into five little sort of sections today. First one I want to talk a little bit about, and we're going to use a few little examples, is what I probably call uh, the crescendo or a bit like the three-tier vocal where Michael, for example, will take a, a lyric and he'll take maybe a part of the chorus and he'll elevate the song throughout. And we're going to use the song By My Side as a little bit of an example. And uh, I guess we'll sort of throw to that now where we put the three sections of the chorus in and just listen to how Michael climbs the, the vocal in this song from a sort of a start to this crescendo. Now, B, I know that's one of your sort of favourite songs there, but it's that classic three-minute sort of ballad there. But you can sort of see how the, uh, the the chorus there really lifts to that sort of, you know, climax, if I could use that particular word. <laughs> okay, sorry, ladies. It's uh, middle of the afternoon, Hayden. Yeah, I know, I know. But, uh, look, Michael does definitely take people up to that climatic level in, in the vocal here. 
He's um, showing his range, isn't he? Yeah. He's starting his through that 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 chorus, the three yeah. ranges that he can go. Mm, it's but great. I think when you listen to that song, you know, I love a song that sort of does climb a little bit. Sometimes they can climb lyrically and they can climb sort of vocally. And I think this is that classic case. Um, a couple of other examples where this occurs also, uh, even early in their career, is a song like Learn to Smile, which is on our Spotify playlist. Um, you can hear uh, the start of this one, which we'll just put on for a moment. to learn to smile end bit uh, of the song and just see how Michael's vocal climbs. Well, there's a buzz in the station Spinning station Again, in line with this sort of three-tier vocal crescendo, we're going to throw another one at you, which is uh, We Are Thrown Together, which I know is a bit of a favourite of Pedro's. And this is a classic one where the song starts off really folky, acoustic-y, um, and really almost spoken word. Um, mm. um, and it feels like sort of Michael just sitting in a room, maybe with Andrew, and just singing it really almost acoustic-like. Acoustic uh, yeah. We'll just play that a little bit now for the listeners. Just get skin You turn around and the changes begin song with such a sort of a powerful end isn't it you know and it just mm. takes you on that journey B. yeah it's it's a great song like you say another journey song this is from elegantly wasted hey yeah absolutely absolutely so uh so that's sort of what i sort of look at in the vocal stuff what i've always loved about sort of michael's vo- vocals is that he can take a song and it's not like let's not sort of you know, necessarily come out of the blocks in your face. It's like we'll start off soft, we'll, we'll graduate to a, sort of an interim medium level and then we'll bring it home strong and it's a real climb. And yeah. I think vocally, you know, Michael takes us sort of on that journey. And I, um, I think that's something that's on a lot of albums, but these are just sort of a sample of four or five songs that, you know, we can illustrate that that particular point with. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that's the first one there. So that three-tier vocal crescendo. Yeah, I'm just a man's a big one as well, isn't it? Which one? 
I'm just a man. Yeah, look, I've got it in two there. I nearly had it in this one, uh, and I've I've got it in the uh, another topic coming up. But it's but it fit, you know a lot of these these categories they cross over mm. a little bit there. But that's a classic one where it just sort of takes you from a very soft level to a big climax at the end. Yeah. Um, all right, number two, um, I'm going to talk a bit about uh, the lyrics sort of side here, less the vocals, but I'm going to talk a little about uh, nostalgia and now. Okay, is oh, my second category. Okay. Now. I look at a song like Don't Change, okay? Now, we probably don't need to play it, but think of a song about Don't Change. Uh, it is sort of timeless. Um, to me, there's a nostalgia with that film clip, the lyric, um, you know, uh, the, the, the wide, you know, uh, you know uh, I guess, uh, landscape of sound and topics and, and things like that. But to me, this is sort of a, a song and a lyric that, uh, a lot of songs sometimes that sort of have an element of nostalgia with them become favourites. And I think of a song like In My Life by the by the Beatles um, off the Rubber Soul album by John Lennon. He was That's been voted one of their best sort of songs of all time because in his mid-20s he was able to look back at his life and you know, there's places we remember, you know. Um, yeah. And he was able to look back and sort of look at his life and speak from a commentary point of view. And I think Don't Change has a similar resonance to that. Um, you know, it's it's affirmative. It's got that tough lyric. Don't change a thing for me. You know, it's 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 like I love you the way you are. You know, you're the best at what you are. Then is great. You don't need to be this. And I just think that's one of the reasons that song is so powerful. Other than the music, is it's a very powerful, affirmative, nostalgic type of lyric behind it. Mm-hmm. Agree. Yeah. All right. Another example, one of those there is sort of on the other end of the spectrum, but sort of within is a song uh, that not all the listeners would know, but it's called Days of Rust. And uh, it's off Full Moon Dirty Hearts and it's the opening song. And I remember like when I think about this song, um, it was sort of around about the time where the band hadn't hit the uh, the you know, uh, commercial highs with Welcome to Everywhere. And coming out of the blocks, the first song off an album can sometimes say something about where you're at. And there's two parts of this I really like. It's like the one uh, part where it's like he says, they say these days I've made of made of, made of rust, cut it out, cut, uh, cut it out, counting out and loss. Uh, I've got plans to prove you wrong. And I think that sort of that sort of example of here we are now, not so much nostalgia, but now we're here, we're gonna prove this, prove this. And I heard that song live literally as the first song six months before the album was released at a concert. And, uh, you know, I remember hearing it in the lyric and it sort of stayed with me, but that's that sort of affirmative type of, you know, don't write us off, you know, we we know where we're at and we know where we're going, so shut the fuck up, you know? And yeah. sometimes, <laughs> lyrics, sometimes lyrics like that are pretty powerful. Like, I use it as another example. Like, think of that Pink song, uh, So What, I'm Still a Rock Star. Yeah. Uh, I got my big house, I got my, you know, you know who cares what you think about me, you know, I don't care if yeah. your husband's leaving me, I'm still a rock star, you know. Yeah, you can't take me off my pedestal. Correct. And sometimes, <laughs> sometimes those sort of powerful sort of, you know, lyrics, you know, whether they come from a man or a woman that sort of speak to the audience there sometimes, you know, resonate. Like, think of a song like We Are the Champions or uh, We Will Rock You. I mean, they, those, yeah. those are, you know, We Will Rock You is a pretty basic sort of, you know, tap the floor song it's not much musicality behind it but it's that affirmative lyric isn't it like uh here we are yeah Yeah, that's right um so i think there's some of these sort of nostalgic and there's also these powerful we're in the moment now affirmative lyrics that that, that do come up okay moving along to probably uh the third category i was going to talk a little bit about is the storytelling lyrics okay the thing that michael sort of put together where i just reckon as as his confidence as a songwriter grew 
he became more honest and more open and, and less obtuse or obscure as time went on. And I think one of the things that, you know, we love about Elegantly Wasted, it really was, you could tell where Michael was with his life by those lyrics. Um, and yeah. they're pretty transparent. Now, if I go back over sort of their career and identify, you know, positive and negative or whatever there, uh, a song like New Sensation, I think lyrically is underestimated. You know, it's sort of love, baby, love, hate, baby, hate, you know, all the different sort of emotions and, you know, uh, sun comes into our room. And I think lyrically that song climbs and climbs oh, and climbs and uh, never really mm -hmm. gets old to the listener because I think the lyrics and the music really go hand in hand. But to me, that's a bit of a storytell song. If you go back and look at the lyrics uh, without the music, it takes you on a journey. Um, and what, yeah. which, which in excess fan has never like been lying in bed when the sun has come in and thought, <laughs> yeah, sun comes into yeah. our room like a, yeah, into, yeah. yeah. The sun comes like a god into yeah. our room. Yeah, that's mm. right. I think the god was already in the room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, uh, just needed a goddess. Well, he comes into the room anyway, doesn't he? You know? Uh, oh. Whoops, sorry, everybody. Um, all right, moving along. Uh, you mentioned one the other day to me, the song Everything off Elegantly Wasted. I mean, it's mm. sort of like Michael's song to Tiger, isn't it? Yeah, it's you beautiful, know? isn't yeah. it? Yeah, I mean, it's such a great lyric and it's such a great happy father, you know, everything there. That's a storytelling song. Um, yeah. uh, Just a Man that you mentioned before. I mean, you know, that's a, that's an ode to his sister Tina uh, and mm. an ode to, you know, he, you know, I guess to he, he, his mum and his dad and himself and the journey he was on and uh it's just 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 a song that um uh when he passed away was a song that when i was i i i remember listening to it over and over, over again and, and it just jumped another echelon or two in terms of resonance and, and enjoyment because of those yeah. lyrics i um, enjoy strange desire Yeah, have you ever listened to the lyrics properly? That one. Um, I went, I Please went, so don't ever be a dream. You're in my dreams, but don't be a dream. Right. Oh okay. wow, how good is that? <laughs> yeah, well, that that might be a category in its own. That one. <laughs> Strange I reckon. Design. Yeah, um, and probably one of the uh, the ultimate sort of uh, lyrical components, you know, to this particular song. Uh, sorry, to this particular topic is the stairs. Um, which, uh, I, you know, I think we've sort of spoken a lot about the stairs over time. And Such a clever song. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So, um, you know, we'll probably address that a little bit later. But, uh, you know, from a lyrical point of view, it's about, you know, people obviously living in confined areas and walking past each other and yet, yet we don't really know each other like we used to and the lack of, you know, neighbourly sort of behaviours and life and, you know, community and village has probably been superseded by cities, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. And again, it's just an interesting lyric with a real escalation in the song, and we'll talk a bit about it a little bit later. Uh, but okay, again, that from a, a lyrical point of view was a song that 
when the, when, the, when the music became familiar, I went back and discovered the lyrics and the song became even more enjoyable. Yes. And, and that sometimes happens. I know fans who listen to the band and other bands go, I didn't know what that song was about. Now I go back and listen to it and go, oh, that means so much more to me now. Because sometimes mm. you're just singing words, you don't know the resonance behind them or the context, you know. Um, and then later on you go, oh, wow, that's about that. I didn't know that was about that. Yeah, because like I didn't like it when it first when I first heard it. I thought right. it was quite boring, yeah. and it wasn't until someone no be you've got to listen to the lyrics. And when once you listen to the lyrics, it takes a whole different meaning, and yes. you just fall in love with that song. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, so yeah, this did I exact- stop your flow? Sorry. No, no. What flow? You know, we're over. What flow? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but, what about uh, not enough time? That's your favourite. Well, it's coming up. Ah, <laughs> uh, good. It's, it's coming up. It's coming up. Uh, so, uh, but yeah. So we might even just what I might even do here with the stairs a little bit though, while we're sort of talking about it, is we might just go uh, to the last part of it, uh, and we might sort of take it away at the point where Michael says uh, that's sort of about uh, the reasons here to give your life. Um, uh, you know, and following your way, the passion lives to keep your face. So we might just put that on for a moment and then okay. come back and talk about that. No worries. later they were interviewed and uh, they were asked about this particular song they said oh this is one we're really proud of we think this will sound great in 10 20 30 years time and you know obviously poor tense aside they, they were correct but um i just want to read these lyrics for you and just explain them um uh i think yeah actually i think we go back to the nature of your chad tragedies chained around your do you lead or are you led are you sure that you don't care Normally they would cut back into a chorus, but no, they keep going here and they go, there are reasons here to give your life and follow in your way. The passion lives to keep your faith. Though all are different, all are great. Again, normally they would come back to a chorus, but they keep going. And he go, and then Michael's then opines, he says, climbing as we fall, we dare to hold on to our fate and steal away our destiny to catch ourselves with quiet grace. Um, and then they hit yeah. the chorus, you know, the next sort of couple of times and things like that. Well, it's very rare that a song peaks in a verse, but this one unbelievably peaks in the verse and the, almost the chorus is an afterthought at the yeah. end of it, story to story. And I just think that they, there's never been a greater lyric that, from the band, you know, than that, mm. you know, in terms of just the, the climb in the vocal the, the, the slow building starter starts off a bit like Burn For You as a song and then it grows into the lyric and it hits the chorus but then has this massive middle section of a verse 
that's that's the crescendo. And it's quite a yeah. rare songwriting structure. And I know Blair, who was on one of our earlier episodes uh, when we started this podcast series, almost said, look, they're, they're a bit weird the way they write and structure up songs, you know, compared to what normal other type of bands do. And I think this is sort of an example of that versatility mm. and that creativity. Um, mm. So, yeah, I think, look, obviously when we go back and we sort of add the edit in here, B, we'll start off with the nature of your tragedy is chained around your neck. I mean, that's such a powerful thing. I remember reading like it's, you know, if you see people sometimes you can see in their eyes, they're unhappy souls. Yeah. And without sounding too forlorn or whatever, they're like, you know, sometimes you, know, you can see, you know, people have been affected by drugs or mental illness or they've been affected by life and you can see the pain in their eyes. Yes. Yeah. And absolutely. it's sad sometimes. Like I've, I've, I've been recruiting and management or whatever and I, I meet people all the time and I remember interviewing a guy the other day and he was so fidgety and all over the place and he's, I, I could just see that he'd had a tough life. Yeah. You know, he just had a tough period of life and things like that. And when I... I think we I, all know someone like that, don't yeah, we? Yeah, yeah. And, and, and you know... Don't to, judge. No, and it's that humanity. But, you know, when I when I read that line, the nature of your tragedy is chained around your neck. Do you lead or are you led? Mm. Are you sure that you don't care? You know, are you in control of your life? Are you in control of your destiny? Are you just going by the motions? And, you know, it's just, it's just a, a beautiful lyric. It, it's sad lyric in a way, but it's... Has an upbeating anthem sound, but the lyric is is quite bleak. It's like we're all in it together still, aren't we? Well, but yeah. we it's an understanding. Well, yeah, it's just it's just that we're not as neighbourly and as community as we used to be. I, I think one of the beautiful things about your country, B, is they still use the word village. <laughs> yeah, that's true. We yeah. call it we call it a country town here, but you still use that beautiful word called village and. There's that sense of community, and I know my mother's, my late mother's best friend lives in a place called uh, Tisbury, uh, down near Salisbury, sort of west of London, and things like that. And you know, she went over to visit, and it was like the village, you know. And and it's just yeah. that, that community. And I think this song really strikes at that. It's it's you know, it's not a love song. It's not about a woman. It's not about um, sex, drugs, and rock and rock and roll. It's about community. And I think we are going on a bit further about it, but I think it's such a standout moment for Michael, uh, who I believe obviously was the lyrics behind it. I'd love to interview Andrew and find out how much Michael contributed That's what to I it. Was, that was what yeah. I was going to say. It was, it's, it's one that we need to put a note down that yeah. is um, something we need to speak to Andrew about because I would yeah. love to know, did the lyrics come first? Did the music come first? Correct. And how did they arrange, arrange it? Was it like... Did it just evolve well, or you know, is a, there a reason? I'm, I'm really glad you raised up one because um, Elton John and Bernie Taupin, who are you know, songwriting duo of, 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 of mega stardom, they write really in a, in a very obscure way. In fact, what happens is that Elton writes the lyrics and Bernie goes off and composes the music. Uh-huh. When sometimes it's always the other way around. You have the bed of music and then you put the lyrics on top. Yeah. So I, my understanding is that they write the reverse way um, and it works for them and it's, it has worked for them. The exciting well, thing, that, yeah. There's that image of Michael with all the cassette tapes, isn't there, going, right, I've got to go. <laughs> and he got yeah. all Andrew's music and he had to go and write some songs or not have well, again, to, but know, he, I'm not he felt musical. like he needed yeah, to. I'm not musical, but I know uh, a lot of song, uh, a lot of singer-songwriters will always write little notes down, as we said, you know, Michael always had a pen and paper and even when he passed, mm-hmm. He had a little scribbling book of lyrics and things. And you can always make lyrics fit music um, and, and and set it up, you know, in terms of, I don't know, the breakdown of words and syllables can fit into a bed of music. But I think interestingly, you know, when we talk to Andrew, it'd be great to examine that songwriting combination of just, you know, who put together what and which which lyrics, you know, how did that actually break down? Because 
you know, you never really hear in interviews that type of deep dive discussion. And I know our listeners no. out there, you go play the stairs this week and don't really listen to the music part of it a bit. Examine the lyrics. You know, go back yeah. and listen to Just a Man with the lyrics side. You know, go back and listen to By My Side and think of the vocal sort of growth in that song. Um, mm. These are these are little things that, again, allow you to sort of almost reinvest and re-love another In Excess song or an In Excess song another time around um, because you're, you're looking at it from a different point of view. Yeah. If, yeah, and you said, right earlier, there was a, you. <laughs> you said earlier there was a song you didn't like but now you love. Maybe it was something, I can't remember which one you mentioned before. But now you the love stairs. it. The stairs. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. so, uh, so from that sort of point of view, it's interesting how a song can evolve and be loved after it was <laughs> less than liked, uh, in a way. Yeah. Um, I think that 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 comes with maturity as well, though, doesn't it? Sometimes, yeah. you know, if you listen to a certain genre of music and your your band plays something different, yeah. you're like, oh, that's too different for me, and I don't really not like it i like i know what i like with that band well, you look at it this way it's a bit like a sugar hit isn't it like some songs come out at you and you love it you know so much the first three listens by the fourth listen you're like man this is repetitive man i'm <laughs> sick of this you know and sometimes the better songs in life are the ones that are a bit of a slow grower that take you yeah. a while to break down and examine and there were some songs in the nxs's sort of career that took a while for me to really like because i didn't really understand where they were coming from they were alternative alternative type songwriting sort of uh uh you know tunes and lyrics but mm. you know if you invest time and effort and, and and understanding and whatever into a song sometimes it can pay you back later it can pay you back five years later uh not always well, in actually, the day well you're t- actually it's yeah, my it's- i mean tagline isn't it actually um i was just um felicia got me onto a rewind radio station they were playing michael for his birthday mm-hmm. and um so i had the headset on and it was one song after another but it wasn't from any particular album you know it was all mashed up mm-hmm. and it was just fantastic Go, it went straight into um please Mm. You know, with um, Ray, Ray Charles, and mm. then you had Passenger with um, the the Batman. Th- yeah, um, yeah, 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 yeah. And then straight into um, um, Straight Line. He was like, oh. "Wow!" What's wow. so cool about that is is it you're coming from all different angles within three yeah. Or four songs. Yeah, yeah. My, I was in a. I so was what's it called like, for the listeners? B, maybe we can post that. What's it called? Oh. The, the show's called Rewind. Yep. I will put a poster. It's um, a guy, oh, I don't know his name, but the girl was called Holly. She's gorgeous. And uh, they have um, a Facebook page and it's called the Rewind Retro Lounge. But okay. they're a really cool cool couple and they yeah. do it every year for Michael's birthday. And yep. it was an absolute pr- pleasure. Really Well, thank you, Felicia, for sharing that. I mean, that's just, again, the mm. community of patrons and non-patrons who are sharing ideas and things that, we can all benefit in. I mean, uh, we spoke earlier about Black Grape and just how we had that one shared around, which was a lot of fun. And uh, and then you uh, connected with a Blake, uh, Black, uh, I'm copping your tongue disease, B. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Black Grape, you connected with a, a, a podcast last night. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Well, it was from watching Black Grape because um, Nick, Nick Egan had popped it on to my uh, Facebook page. Hmm. Got some time to watch and listen and listen to Michael singing. Mm. You can really hear him like shan it out because it's um, it's like um, oh, like a got not a gospely, but it's like can I get a witness at the beginning? <laughs> yeah, 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 and he's going yeah, and he's well into it. So I just thought oh, I'll find out about Black Crate. Went onto their Facebook page and then I looked down and then there was um, a podcast with um one of the guys and it was all about the hacienda. And things so 
yeah, it was good. I enjoyed it, actually. It's something completely different to what we do. category I've got is just called vocal growth. Uh, and what I'd like to highlight for, for the listeners here is just the sort of the, the tones and development of Michael's voice with a few more examples out there. And we're going to maybe put a little bit of a montage, I thought, together for this sort of section B. Um, and then we'll sort of come back and then talk a bit about it. But um, uh, I'll defer to your montage and away we go. immature vocal pre almost prepubescent tones in the voice um but you know he's probably 18 19 sort of when he was sort of getting into the recording studio there um we then sort of grow to an hour or two later with uh jan song which 
I know uh, with what Mark Opitz has mentioned, you know, previously and things, uh, what a vocal growth the song Jan song is for Michael. I think, you know, the vocal where he does that on and on and on, he really backs himself and he, he he's, he's not afraid to be vulnerable with that lyric and that vocal delivery, as you heard. Um, and it was really something there where Michael, uh, I think, gained a lot of confidence and I think Mark instilled a lot of confidence in Michael with that vocal uh, performance for Jan song. Um, moving ahead uh, to a couple of other songs that you probably heard there. Uh, you probably heard Disappear. Well, to me, Disappear couldn't have been done without Max Q. Uh, the, the, the range that sort of Michael stretched himself on Max Q meant when he went back to X and suddenly you know, was brave enough to pull off almost like a, a, falsetto, a falsetto for the whole song, um, uh, you know, in terms of except for the Disappear chorus bit, uh, was 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 again bravery and again probably a, a stretch in development that he, that he took with uh, Max Q that I know Andrew was very keen for him to go well gee you did some things there why have you done with NXS well he yeah. has come back here and done a real Motowny vocal falsetto thing that really just shows his vocal growth compared to roller skating um, again we go to the next album Beautiful Girl well here he's taking it down three runs down to almost like a Lou Reed sort of spoken word with uh, Beautiful Girl. I mean, the first thing I heard on the radio when that came out was like, wow, that sounds that sounds like uh, Lou Reed. He's really yeah. um, using his instrument on a very low register there, mm-hmm. um, which is which is really interesting because another song on an album where he uses his vocal at a much higher register is Not Enough Time, which, um, you know, probably could be one of his great vocals. Um, and, again, a lyrical thing he does at the end, very much like Hey Jude, he does this sort of make time stop, make time stop for mm. the two of us. And it's that yeah. outro, outro sort of uh, refrain, a bit like uh, Hey Jude, nah, 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 nah. Yeah. Yeah, he does that sort of uh, outro refrain with Denny Hines on backup vocals, which is, which is fantastic. Let's, let's, let's put a little bit of a stick that from it you know you can hear just again it's almost like i said earlier that that three-tier climb that great outro uh the vocal growth that he's had since the early days uh, all exemplified to, uh, on that outro um and probably the last song just to highlight just his vocal variety and just using his 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 uh vocal as an instrument is the song kill the pain uh let's just put this on for a moment it has sort of echoes of beautiful girl Take down The sun is what you found Lead you far from here Take you to high
not to go up three ranges and have a big climax type thing. He, he sings it really in one register and it's it's just at one level and it's deliberately done and it's got sort of odes of David Bowie and Hunky Dory, uh, the album, and, and it's got a bit of a Lou Reed feel to it. But again, Michael on that album is just taking chances and going, okay, well, what can I do here? Uh, mm. And really using his voice and the modulation and the tone and the, and the register uh, to, to really versatile effect. Um, what a yeah. difference from roller skating, hey? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, <laughs> I, and, and, and I think, you know, it's just that sort, of, that sort of montage there um, uh, really reflects uh, in that sort of uh, growth there. Right. Uh, so the last you know, category in our topic today is, well, out of the, the vocals or the phrasings and, and the vocal delivery and then out of sort of the lyrics, what are the sort of the, the favourite of each, you know, be these top two, like, uh, you know, favourite vocal and favourite lyrics? I've got mine, but, you know, I've hogged the, this topic a bit today, so I would like to share, B and hand over to you, B. Give us your favourite vocal and give us your favourite lyric. Okay, my favourite vocal is Possibilities. Sounded easy, got in your skin, and I'm lying through my teeth. I was shook up, intoxicated during the juices of the possibility. You in and you just oh, the he just sings to you. It's beautiful. I do like by my side, and I do like some of those epic, um, mm. you know, epic ones. But that one, there's a strangeness about it. Mm. It's just, I don't know. I I'm really drawn to it. But the possibility. Now you know, Chris. I think it's how he just delivers it. You know, he's sort of like, come on. Now, you know, if Chris Murphy was with us today, he'd be very disappointed that you're swimming outside the NXS flags. But you know what? You're allowed to. Yeah. Yeah. We're talking about Michael. <laughs> All right. Okay. What about uh, lyrics? You do this to me every time. I think really I have to say, because this song plays in my head constantly, is um, Falling Down the Mountain. <laughs> And it's the opening, really. It's, we find the seeds of doubt. Don't water them with your tears. Don't think about all the years you'd rather be without. I think that means more to me now, now I'm older, to think back about my life. And uh, it just resonates a lot with me. And then we find the seeds of lust and lose our minds in one intent. These passions never seem to end. <laughs> Good choice. Um, okay. Uh, all right. My, my greatest lyric. Look, no, no bones about it. I went through it before. It's the stairs.
beautifully written song, a, a really beautiful lyric, uh, uniquely crafted within the song structure, how it peaks with the verse, not so much the chorus. Uh, and it gives me chills when I still think about it. And always a bit strange, they did this beautiful film clip for a B, and it was really only ever released as a single, as a live single in the Netherlands. Um, it was never, and it was sort of like a promo copy of Life Baby Live. Um, but I, I always sort of think back in hindsight, and I wonder if that was ever released as the first song off, off X, whether that may have made a bit of a difference just in America or a little bit of a difference worldwide about how they were perceived, not just as a, a you know, sexually charged frontman band, that they, they were more meaningful than that. Uh, yeah. Because that song and that film clip uh, deserves to have a greater, I don't know, reach these days. If you haven't heard it much and this is our... Have, have not played it for many years, you know, maybe that's some homework. Go back and play it. It's just immense and enormous. Yeah. I do I do also love the lyrics to Suicide Blonde when you really listen properly. Some of those words, it says, strip to the beat, but her clothes stayed on. <laughs> well, that's a song to me where the lyrics and the verse are better than the, the chorus part. Uh, so I agree yeah. with that. Um, yeah. And especially the live Don't version. see the colour of deception turning your world around again. Yeah. And then it goes back into it. Yeah, yeah fantastic. Yeah. And it's an inexcess lyric, Suicide Blonde. You know, it's uh, it's not, it, you, you never come up with that. I think it's literally a shampoo, hair dye colour or something. But they're able to weave it into a narrative. But um, all right. Um, and look, the greatest lyric that I think uh, that uh, Michael sort of put together, and he's and he's and equally how he phrases this uh, still, and uh, I won't waffle too much. I'll let I'll let the listeners listen to hear it. <laughs> Our veils are misty, streets are blue, almond looks that chill divine, some silken moment. Goes on forever, and we're leaving broken hearts behind. You mystify, mystify me. All right, there we have it. Be mystify. Uh, I think these lyrics are really cool. Uh, they still resonate today, and. You know, let's let's break them down a little bit. All veils and misty streets of blue, almond looks that chilled divine. Bring that on. Some silken moment goes on forever, and we're leaving broken hearts behind. Mystify, mystify, blah blah blah. Okay, so look to me, I mean that that you know, almond looks that chilled divine. I mean, you know, what a great line. And uh, who's ever heard of an almond? And you never, and you know what country that would have been in, don't you? <laughs> no, I don't. What? No, almond looks. No, I was going to say, what's an almond look? Okay, I'm not going to say. You can work it out. No, after 33 years of this song, I have no idea what it's about. I don't know, maybe last another day. What's an almond well, look? Exo- they're exotic looks, aren't almond they? Almond looks. Oh, okay. So it's probably about somebody's skin colour and I'm, being, being I'm, tan. I'm thinking, yeah, there's like the Japanese girls. Right, or, okay. I'm thinking. Oh, geisha girls were pretty white, weren't they? They went almond. Oh well. Anyway, <laughs> we'll 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 leave it up for Andrew to tell us when when he comes on one day. Okay. okay but uh, right. but yeah, even the vocal phrasing on this is so so good so good in the way he delivers it um, uh, and and sells it. You know, without trying to sell it, I still think it's one of their great lyrics and unique and 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 the phrasing of it and the the tone has pushed this song really high up on fan favorite lists. 
uh, even though it was only really a, a, a hit single in the, in the UK, uh, although it was an album sort of uh, track that was played throughout the rest of the world. But um, again, probably just really ties up this topic nicely in a way, just how Michael can sort of uh, vocally come up with a, a tone and a phrasing behind a great lyric, and then Mike, uh, then Andrew with the great music behind it, which starts off that bluesy type song and then it hits the guitars and, yeah, it really ties in nicely, B. So that's your favourite lyric of that song, Mr. Fye, is the, um, the Almond Eyes. That's the best, my favourite lyric that Michael sings, period. Oh, right, because yeah. I quite, out of that song, it's some, some twisted selection and entangles me and keeps me alive. Yeah, yeah. That's what, Isn't I mean, it funny that we see different things? Well, I like that. You know, I think just out of the blocks, though, that first part just, just sort mm. of, uh, you know, hits you between the eyes, arm and looks that chill divine. I mean, it just, you know, it's, it's incomparable, really, uh, the way it sort of comes across. So, mm. um but look, tying things up all together, you know, when we, we talk a little bit about, you know, this topic today, you know, Michael has given us a lot of pleasure over time along with the band and, you know, the ability to, to, to sing and vocal phrase and emote and make people feel something is what a great vocalist does. And um, as I said, again, when you think about other people out there within the industry, you know, some people aren't necessarily into the phrasing or the vocal or the lyrics. You know, if you think of a band like, you know, ACDC and bands like Def Leppard, I mean, they're probably so you're meeting three veg, you know, it's more about the, the groove and the rock and the guitar as opposed to the words. Um, if you think about someone like sort of Bob Dylan, it's probably more about, you know, the, the poetry and the sort of the social commentary, which, you know, he's very famous for, you know, it's almost like a spokesperson of the 60s. Um, someone like, you know, you 2 and Midnight Oil, they're probably more political with the way they do their, their lyrics. And it's always generally cause-based lyrics and I think NXS have done that but they're not just just that um if I think back to some really clever ly lyricists out there people like John Lennon Paul McCartney uh Nick Cave uh for, the, for that lyric interventionist God in the song uh Into My Arms um uh if I look at someone like Paul Simon 50 Ways to Leave Leave Your Lover what a what an unbelievable song right that is I mean everyone goes on about um uh, a bridge under troubled water, but fifty ways to leave your lover is just an unbelievable sort of song and a, mm -hmm. and a, and a songwriter. In excess, I think you know over time, you know sometimes the style and the and the 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 image has superseded the substance in terms of the average rank and file reviewer. Um, I think sometimes you know their lyrics have been quite understated or underrated in many many sort of periods. And I think Michael, more so now in the last few years, is getting his due as a vocalist and as a contemporary and as somebody who really was at the top of the tree within his field. And, you know, you only have to ask people like Michael Stipe and Bono and all those particular people, you know, and all the publications have been written, just how great a vocalist he was. Um, so I guess to, to to Michael, we wish you a happy birthday. We, you know, we, we, we all miss you down here. Uh, we love the fact that you've left us with these great lyrics and these great vocals and these great voices and these great clips. Uh, but today it's not about the hips and the lips, it's about the words and it's about the way you say them. So thank you, Michael. Happy heavenly birthday, Michael, and thank you very much. This is Felicia Marie from Carbondale. This is Foxy from San Francisco. This is Emory from Ohio. And that's a wrap. All right, well, that's a wrap, B. Uh, I guess we've got to the end of episode 37. Uh, we always like to sort of tie things up with uh, hearing about our sort of fan engages, but I think this week it's probably been more about fan tributes and sort of uh, in memoriam to 
to Chris and then sort of, I guess, you know, happy birthdays and sort of in memoriam uh, to uh, to Michael. So I know you've got some really interesting uh, feedback and we'd love to give sort of an audience uh, a platform to share. So take it away. Okay, so we'll start with the birthday tributes that everyone's put up. So Susan Purvis, driving to work today, listening to the swing, the emotions I feel were intense. Shabu Shabar was the first record that made me fall in love with them. The swing is extra special, representing the time in my life. All the others are after, after that also are great, but this one by far is my favourite. Mandy Carden, thinking of you on your birthday, Michael, but then I think of you every day. Having Hutch friends to remind me makes it easy. So to, for your memory, my life, we loved you dearly. In death, we love you still. In our hearts, you hold a place no one will, will ever feel unknown author. We got Teresa. Happy birthday, Michael. You are sorely missed between you and I. By the way, I didn't realize his birthday was today and I had the most vivid dream of him last night. Kind of freaks me out when you, I realize. I think a lot of us dream, don't we? Yeah. It's quite cool. Um, Alison just celebrated Michael's birthday by re-watching Live Baby Live. I begin I began liking In Excess when I saw the One Thing video. The Don't Change video sealed the deal and it became my favorite band. As a teenager, of course, it was Michael's looks which first drew me. But as I listened to each song on the albums from Shabu Shabar on, I began to appreciate his and their beautiful lyrics and his amazing distinctive voice. Over the years, when asked who is my favorite singer or group, a lot of times I would get a puzzled look and I would have to explain who they were. I'm so glad I found the Facebook groups honoring Michael and in excess the podcast and, and can celebrate with each of, the, each of the fans who understand we were very fortunate um, that such a beautiful, talented man shared a piece of his heart and soul with his thoughts through his songs. Hmm. Joseph, happy birthday, Michael. Gone. Sorry, did you want to say something on that one? No, no, it was lovely. Yeah, no, it's good. Keep Beautiful, going. wasn't it? Joseph, happy birthday, Michael. Gone but not forgotten. Your spirit lives on. Thanks for the joy and happiness that your music continues to bring to this world. Um, Aurora, I only discovered this wonderful man and his art and artist this year. How is this possible? He truly had something that many people don't have. True, that's true. Joe Robbins, remembering you on your birthday, Michael, but I think of you every day. You are forever in my heart. Teresa, happily heavenly birthday, Michael. You were taken away from us far too soon. Your legacy will live on forever. You are a shining star. Carmen, happy, happy heavenly birthday, Michael. We'll meet again at the ultimate, in, <laughs> ultimate strangers party. Felicia, I have to open some of these. Felicia, happy birthday, Michael. I remember you every day, but especially on your birthday. Your smile, your spirit, your charisma always lit up any, anywhere that you go. I miss everything of, of you and my love and thoughts to Tina, Tiger and Rhett, along with the rest of the family. Happy Evanly, 31st birthday, Michael. All right. 
All right. I reckon that's enough. I reckon that's beautiful. on and on. I know. So I know. It's great. And you know what I just thought of? I just thought of Lisa Urban was on our podcast last week as well. So thank you, Lisa, as well, for oh, contributing last week on the Zoom call. Yeah. I knew there was one person that just hit me. So Lisa, if you're hung in on this podcast, thank you for last week. Uh, but excellent, B. That was great reading those out. And I think they really, um, you know, captured, um, you know, the essence of Michael and just, you know, the impact he still has. So yes. Um, but we have a look at our favourite duchy, uh, Carrie Ann, who has asked me to read out her tribute to Michael. So I will endeavour to do it without without uh, the Dutch accent, but uh, uh, I, I did want to uh, read this on her behalf because she's such a, uh, a great contributor to our podcast, uh, And but also she had some words she wanted to have, uh, I guess, reflected. So here it is. Michael, our shining star, happy heavenly birthday. Today, 61 years ago, your star started to shine brightly first to your parents and soon to the whole wide world. From a shy boy who lived in Hong Kong for a big part of his life and even spending a few years in LA, you moved back to Australia and quickly made friends. Friendships that would last a lifetime, especially the guys you would eventually form in excess with. Working 24-7 for years, performing in nearly every pub in Australia until the hard work finally paid off and the band had its breakthrough internationally. This was under great management of Chris Murphy, who unfortunately passed away two, uh, a few days ago. This man had a vision and he was able to uh, introduce in excess to the world. And boy, he certainly did. You became one of the most popular bands in the whole world. I bet the two of you are up there catching, uh, catching up and enjoying many good talks and laughs about the past uh, few years. The popularity of in excess was immense and you traveled all over the world for years. Never did we see anyone owning the stage like you. Besides the fantastic music, the brotherhood in the band, this is what attracted people to you. Even though your passing is still hard uh, to comprehend uh, for many to this day, we do our best to focus on the positive, the things that you left us with, your whole being as a rock star, uh, a fun and gentle person, someone who enjoyed life uh, to the fullest. We still have your music, the concerts and everything that uh, you came up with. You wouldn't believe all the footage that is still out there and watched every single day by thousands of people. Uh, in excess in your solo music is still played and never gets old. And after this, so many years, uh, you would have, uh, who would have thought? People from all over the world uh, have uh, found friendships in groups and pages on different platforms, all because of you. It gives them comfort and joy as they share everything uh, amongst each other. Now that uh, now this is something that you you would you would have wanted uh, for the whole world not to argue but to become friends. That is your legacy, Michael. You taught us that. Thank you for being you. Thank you for all you gave us. We will keep celebrating your life down here until we even celebrate even more as it is your birthday. You are forever loved to miss. Say hello, Mr. Murphy, from all of us. Love, Carrie Ann. Oh. Yes. Really lovely. Yeah. And uh, it's interesting this week, you know, so much gets shared around. One of the um, videos this week showing Michael on stage uh, with uh, Sean Ryder from Black Grape oh, and, yes. and Johnny Marr. I watched that whole thing. I've never seen it. And, yes, and Michael was yes. jumping around so excited and things like that. Nick posted it on my on my page, on my personal page. I nearly fell off my chair. I've yeah. never seen that before. No, I haven't I, seen it either. But I will have to put it onto, um, yeah. That how good was that? Well, look, it, it's it's very look, it's distant away time. footage, but it sort of zo- <laughs> zooms in enough to see Michael jumping around, and and then there's Fez on stage, and you know, uh, uh, or Be- Fez or Bez. It's Bez. It's Bez, isn't it? Not Fez. Bez. Oh, 
Fez. Fez, Fez. yeah. Fez is a U2 song. Uh, but it's but it, good it, to see Michael dance into somebody else's music and yeah. enjoy himself. Too. And he was such a, a Black Grape and also a, a Happy Mondays fan. So, um, mm. but yeah, that's only like a year and a bit before he passed. So it was yeah. good to see him being happy for that moment someone, when he wasn't. Someone said that he'd got a, a copy earlier on us something so he'd been listening to the album like well i think i think it reflects on what nick egan said michael was always sort of you know around that uh early 90s mid 90s always listening to what was out there and uh he was quite you know well aware of the manchester scene and what was going on so um i think it reflects on what nick said and what you know michael seemed to you know do like i I, like the first time i heard radiohead was because michael hutchins mentioned them about a year before creep came out um, so, yeah. you know, he, he was there and amongst it all. And, um, yeah, he's on stage there with Sean Ryder having a great old time. <laughs> and Johnny Mark. Yep. Hey, there's a guest on this. Oh, we got a guest. Where's yeah. Mick? We Where is Mick? Mickey. Mick. Michael. Hey, yeah. And it's right, you know what? We just love rock and roll. And let's preach to me. Who the cow preach to me? Brothers and sisters. All right, well, as I said earlier, next week we'll do the Andrew Farris deep dive uh, where we really tackle just the genius one Andrew is. So what a, what a double shot, Michael, this week, Andrew, next week. And uh, I have no doubt, B, that we will do several deep dives into uh, Andrew and Michael over the uh, journey in these podcasts just because the weight of their contribution to the band and songwriting and everything. No, they mean so much more, don't they? They can't yeah. be just said in one. Yeah. There's so much that we have to deep dive into. Yeah, and we'll, we'll tackle it in some of the side projects that Andrew worked with and some of the hits he wrote for other people. Um, one song in particular, we're very excited about sharing with the listeners that was a big hit, you know, in Australasia. Uh, and then another song that uh, Prince really loved uh, that Andrew wrote for uh, a certain lady that um, uh, got uh, this lady on tour with Prince to become the support act uh, back in the late 80s, early 90s. So... Uh, look forward to sharing that with the with the listeners out there. I guess in closing today, uh, we're doing something a bit different. Uh, we normally go out with a tribute song or we go out with a cover song, B, don't we? Yes. But we're, we're going out with a, 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 a tribute vocal coach today. So those who have been loyal to our podcast would know that a few months back we uploaded and shared a uh, singing sort of vocal coach expert who was breaking down Michael's greatness. And I think this goes for about nine or ten minutes and, Uh, We're going to provide a link, I think, on uh, our platform. So when you upload this podcast, you can open up the video of this. But also there will be the audio we're going to play now just of this vocal coach sort of highly praising the vocal range of Michael. And it really ties in nicely with that topic today. But, uh, uh, yeah, we're really just going to show some Wembley footage. And um, we urge you to see the video because this guy commentates and gets into it. He really gets into it. It's really good. 
Nice. He's really good to play out to. Yeah. So he, at the time of uh, going through this, his name escapes him. Sorry. We will play it out and uh, we'll give uh, some backdrop to it on our platforms. But uh, we will take it away. It's a goodbye from me. It's a goodbye from B. Bye, everyone. Hey there, this is John Henney. I'm a voice teacher and the author of Teaching Contemporary Singing. And today I want to look at In Excess and Michael Hutchins performing New Sensation Live at Wembley Stadium in 1991. Now, I obviously know this song, although I haven't really listened to In Excess for a very, very long time. And I recently saw the uh, documentary Mystify and it's it's kind of, uh, I didn't realize the tragic story of Michael Hutchins. I knew of his passing, but didn't realize the, the brain injury he suffered when the cab driver hauled off and punched him in the face and he fell down and, and hit his head. It's, it's actually quite sad. But this performance um, would be from their prime. So I haven't seen this particular performance. So I want to react and, and also analyze this. And also for those of you who've asked uh, my book, um, is available uh, on Amazon. So you just search my name on Amazon and you can find the book. All right, let's take a look at New Sensation. Such a recognizable opening. I mean, first of all, I love that drum lick right there on the recording. It's it's such a hook. And for me, drums are very rarely a hook. But uh, when the drummer sets up that really simple fill, uh, I just I just find it absolutely thrilling. Right off the bat, for me, what what sets Michael Hutchins uh, aside um, and I can think of. Is it uh, Roland Orzabal from Tears for Fears? Back in that that period, you you had these male singers that sang with this really deep, rich sound. And what he's doing is he's actually setting his his larynx. All right, There's your Adam's apple, and this is what's housing your your vocal folds. And he's a little deeper. And what that does is that just elongates this tube of, of your throat and your mouth. That's like the trumpet for the singer. And that, that slightly deeper setting gives him that really rich sound. I really love the way he sings. Just that richness in his voice. I, I just love that he he has this style of singing where it's almost lazy. It's not lazy, but he creates this almost 
lackadaisical feel and that he's like sliding from note to note. It's 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 really uh, kind of sensual. And he's, I mean, he he is a rock god. I mean, he, he's just fantastic looking. He's just got so much charisma. Um, but just his style of singing, it's just, it's so easy and flowing and just, just going from note to note. There's no big jumps. You never hear his vocal sound, uh, change and he, you don't hear him hammer, uh, top notes. Everything sounds really easy. And as a matter of fact, um, he's a singer and Stevie wonders like this where you don't realize how high he's singing until you try and sing it yourself and you go to the keyboard and go, wow. Um, and he, he's just really uh, mastered that. He's, he's really got great vocal technique. Oh, oh, that's coming, going. Little slides. distortion I mean he's up on a high B uh, and you, you wouldn't be able to tell I mean that's just an impressive note he puts that little bit of grind over the top of it but the sound underneath he's not straining on that and the band mentioned in the documentary how he was always spot on his voice never failed him and and I, I believe that singing really well Another high B. I love now that he comes back to the chorus where it's usually like the big build and you sing uh, stronger. He's actually going a little breathy here and a little light. He's pulling it back and he's he's kind of tricking your expectation. And that's what good singers do is if you deliver on every expectation the audience has, the ear can get a little bored. But when you use little tricks to uh, set the audience up for one thing and you change it just a little it's really, really effective. Let me take that back. That little bit of whispery sound. And I mean, you, you do have to acknowledge that, that the band is absolutely fantastic. I mean, they're just rock solid. They're just grooving like crazy because it's, it's not a complicated song, um, not a whole lot of chords, uh, not a ton of production. So it really is the energy so much is, is coming from not just Michael, but the band as well. They're just really nailing this song. Beautiful. 
of those. I mean, that's that's an A when when he's singing that word. And it sounds like his lower register. He's actually gone through the transition in the male voice. He's technically in male head voice. He sounds like he's in what singers will call their chest voice, their lower register. It's I'm gonna I'm gonna play that again. It's just so well done. It's so rich and thick. He does not sound like he's singing that high. Uh, he just completely fools the ear. That's really high. He's in his head voice. Sounds like his chest. Most singers, if they tried to make the note that rich and full, they just jam up and, and he's up there easily. Absolutely fantastic, and I love that he's able to bring in just a little distortion, a little bit of, of dirt without going into to full screams. It's it's like a guitarist when they they push their amp just a little bit, and the amp just starts to break up. He's he's really got that down. It's just an an absolutely fantastic frontman, a fantastic singer. Um, he would write the melodies for these songs and, and the lyrics and obviously gone um, far too soon. But um, absolutely love that. Hey, if you want to know more about me, please visit my website, johnhenny.com. And be sure to listen to my podcast, The Intelligent Vocalist, where I talk more about the ins and outs of singing and the voice science and all that kind of stuff. So until next time, thank you so much.